It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. This is the premier estate planning essentials radio and podcast program. And my name is Don Crawford, Jr., the owner of KAAM Radio and co-host of this program, painstakingly seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, who should be your attorney, who is our attorney, our estate planning expert, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hi, Don. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Welcome back. Um, we had a great turnout for the Alzheimer's Walk, and that was a great event as usual, and I'm sure you enjoyed yourself too. Yeah, the event was great. We did a good job to raise awareness and uh, create funds for research and help families and uh, caregivers from uh, the terrible toll that Alzheimer's takes on so many families. It's good to know, Michael, that we were able to have this final walk. It seems like in October and November, there are many walks, not just one now, which is a lot more convenient for the people who do want to walk for Alzheimer's. Yeah, usually the walks are at a good time of year when the weather is good, uh, not too hot, not too cold. Uh, most of the walks are through the month of uh, October, mm-hmm. but it culminates with the one in Dallas uh, on the first weekend in November, uh, as, as it was this year. Great. Well, I'm glad uh, we had a good turnout and the weather was cooperative which it always needs to be, of course, and I look forward to next year's. Today, Michael, I look forward to the program and the education you're going to once again provide us for free, which is wonderful, Um, and that is the topic is affidavits of airship. I'm not sure what everyone knows what affidavits is, what airship means, and the pros and cons thereof, but um, please address those today. Well, an affidavit is something that somebody swears to. In this Mm -hmm. case, it's usually the person who's going to be a... Uh, stands to benefit uh, an airship, H-E-I-R, S-H-I-P. A lot of people think I'm saying air like A-I-R, but it's H-E-I-R, like you're an air. Uh, so it's a document that you sign swearing that who the heirs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is commonly used to uh, it, to show who the heirs are, so it's a presumption that those heirs would be in that heir or heirs would get title typically to a homestead, typically to a homestead, although sometimes people use a small state's affidavit, uh, which is a court order as opposed to an affidavit of heirship. Okay. So it's less expensive than probating a will, or sometimes people don't have a will. So when you don't have a will, and let's say the only asset is a home, um, it's cheaper just to have an affidavit than go into court. However, there are some problems with it. Uh, because it's only a presumption that everything is true. It's only prima, it's called prima facie evidence uh, of the 
that everything is true, and that's only after five years. Mm. So it's no guarantee. It doesn't transfer title, just basically a presumption. Uh, but not, nonetheless, that they're used all the time, especially with a homestead and real estate. It doesn't work for, let's say, uh, if you had a bank account generally, it's usually dealing with real estate. And there is another affidavit of heirship on cars, uh, but that's a form. It's a little bit different that you get through the Department of Motor Vehicles. So let's say you're survived by a spouse and there's no children from prior marriage, then you could use a form. Uh, through the Department of Motor Vehicles to transfer title to the vehicle if it's owned by the spouse who passed. I see. So, um, but this is usually used like on a home or other real estate. But again, it's a presumption. Uh, so, uh, and the and the main reason why people do it is it's quite frankly cheaper and a lot less of a headache than going to court and getting an order. But if you're concerned about good insurance and the fact that uh, if you're concerned that somebody may uh, give a complaint later on, then obviously a court order would give definitive uh, uh, a definitive result for a title company. Uh, so there's no formal adjudication like probate. Uh, it's really just more of an outlining of the deceased per uh, person's family history and identifying the heirs. It's nothing is filed in the court. It's actually filed in the public records of the county where the real estate is located. Uh, so. And, and there are certain things that you put in this affidavit uh, that's required by law. So you just say the different things that the statute, so there's an actual statute, an actual law that says, okay, uh, uh, what must be included for a, and usually this is for title companies, and, you know, title companies may or may not feel comfortable with an affidavit of airship, and sometimes they make you wait for a certain period of time. Some people, uh, some title companies, that is, uh, make you wait six months before they let you even sign an affidavit. Some require a year and some even two years uh, because they're concerned uh, as, a, as a result of the requirement to say that there are no debts owed by the estate uh, other than that which is secured by real estate. Uh, so they're concerned that people might sign an affidavit immediately and there might be a creditor. They don't want to issue good title uh, to somebody, uh, to a, uh, a buyer, if there might be creditors. And in the affidavit of heirship, you have to swear that there are no debts owed by the estate. Um, so the other things that they require is you'd have, like, uh, who the, of course, who the person is that usually it's the beneficiaries, the ones who are the heirs, rather, that would sign the affidavit. And typically you have two disinterested people who would have to swear that everything was said was true, uh, you, of course you say when the person who died, their birth date, their place of birth, I mean, place of, yeah, place of birth, uh, and also the place of death and their address at the time that they uh, passed, they would also say how long they knew the, the deceased. Uh, same thing with, at least as far as the witnesses, uh, some title companies want to say, oh yeah, that they knew them for at least 10 years, other title companies are are more liberal in what they'll accept. Mm -hmm. You know, as we talked about on a prior show, uh, sometimes it's not uh, what the law is, because there may not be a requirement of how long that you knew the person who died. Uh, it's what the comfort level is of the title company mm -hmm. as to what they feel is worthy of insuring. 
And usually, you know, since it's only a presumption, um, when I say it's only a presumption, let's say that you swear that all this stuff is true, person died, etc., and they didn't, did or didn't have a will, and here's who the heirs are. Let's say that an heir was omitted, uh, that they failed to put somebody as a heir when they should have been. Well, that person can sue, and, you know, I'm sure in the title policy that, that they would have some sort of exception to the uh, title insurance as a result of that. Because remember, it's only evidence, and that's only after five years. Notwithstanding the fact, a lot of people want to do it because they really don't want to pay to go to court to probate a will and to have a lengthier or extensive process or having a heirship determination. Uh, so anyway, um, what else is in the affidavit uh, besides the uh birth date and place of birth and where the person died and the date of death and uh, their address at that time and uh, the marital history. So uh, usually you have to, if there's been more than one marriage, we say, okay, what happened with each marriage? They were born, I mean, they got married on this date and they got divorced on this date or the person died on this date and when they got remarried again. And was there any children born of that marriage? because that makes a difference as well. Because under law, when you have an affidavit of heirship, we're basically saying, what's the laws of the state? What's the will of the state basically saying? Who are the heirs? This is really important if there are, if there are children from a different relationship, because then uh, it makes a difference uh, on who, how, who gets the assets. Right. So for example, on a home, if you have children from a prior relationship, the home doesn't all go to the spouse, surviving spouse. And a lot of people get that all mixed up. They think, oh, I'm the surviving spouse. It's all my home. So if you had a will and the will said everything or at least the home to my spouse, you would rather probate a will than do an affidavit of heirship because that way uh, the, the title would be in the name of the surviving spouse. We had one just recently where... They just never did anything, and there was a hmm. child uh, of the husband. Uh, the husband died 10 years ago. They never probated the will. The will said everything to my wife. Well, since they didn't probate, and you have four years to probate a will, then it goes by laws of intestacy, unless you could explain to the judge why there was a good enough reason why he didn't probate it within four years, like he just found the will or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, but that's hard to prove, especially after ten years. Sure, uh, that's pretty lengthy. So, uh, anyway, they should have done uh, probate of the will at least as amendment of title, which means that there were no debts owed by the estate. So, what we're trying to do now is having to get all the kids, the kid from a prior relationship, as well as the uh, other two children from uh, the surviving spouse. Uh, to have an affidavit of heirship on dad, and then they, they're thinking about either selling the property, uh, but then there was a problem there, too, because if they sell the property, then the, and the reason for that, by the way, is that one kid was paying all the bills uh, of the home because uh, the parent was on Medicaid, hmm. and uh, she got tired of paying the bills, so she said, well, if nobody else is contributing, then what we need to do is sell the home. Of course, when you sell the home for Medicaid, it counts as an asset. A home doesn't mm-hmm. count as an asset for Medicaid generally. 
as long as there's an intent to return home. So in any event, we're using an affidavit of airship since it's been 10 years and the will wasn't probated to, uh, and then we'll do deeds for, uh, without warranty to, uh, since there was no, it's been so long and there was no, um, uh, you know, they didn't get the title the way if you sold a home and bought a home, there's usually a warranty deed. Here in this type of situation, there might be more of a deed without warranty, or at the very least, or very most, a special warranty deed. Remember, we did a show on about 12 different types of deeds uh, a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. this would be one of those cases where you do a deed without warranty in all likelihood. So, and anyway, uh, some of the other things that you would need would be the names of all the kids, and their, or if they died, their children. And there are dates of birth and their current addresses. And if somebody was adopted or if there was any children that were raised in the home. And uh, so you'd have the, their dates of birth and if they died and all the type of relationships. So this is kind of a family history here. And, uh, and then two disinterested people would sign the affidavit saying, yeah, we knew uh, the deceased and everything that the affiant, the person who was the going to be the one the heir or heirs said was true. You probably have them all signed at least, or at least, you know, typically it's either a surviving spouse or a child. They would sign the affidavit, and then you get two disinterested witnesses who say, yeah, everything that that person said was true, and you file the affidavit of heirship in the deed records of the county where the property is located. Of course, you have to say there are no debts. Um and if you had more than one piece of real estate, well, then you could be uh, in each county where the property is located. Uh, again, this is just a presumption and not a definitive uh, situation because there could be some omitted error or somebody who had more knowledge of the person in later years than they did in prior years. So it's just a presumption. Nonetheless, we often uh, do the affidavit of heirship because it's less expensive. And that's fascinating. Uh, it sounds very complicated, and it's funny because you said the affidavits of airship are cheaper and easier, but at the same time, maybe not as not as cheap, but as easy as it sounds. It, it, it sounded turnkey in the beginning, or when I've heard of these before, even though they are unique words, maybe not for you, but for many listeners, um, and um, perhaps we don't all know the definition of them, but maybe it sounds harder then um, it's made out to be, I guess, and a little bit harder, but maybe just more complicated. And that's why Michael has these programs. They are for free. His podcast is for free. It helps you better understand your options as uh, an individual who wants to pass down assets and money when they pass away or become disabled or as an heir. And this is why it's called affidavits of heirship, H-E-I-R, not error, but heirship. But if you have more questions after this program, then that's just one more reason to attend Michael's next free estate planning essentials workshop, which is Saturday, November the 19th at 10 o'clock. And Michael, once again, for our ninth or 10th year, um, probably how many times all the 550 programs times nine. So 500th time, tell everybody what goes on at these workshops. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe it's been that many uh, radio shows. Well, we um, we ask people what they want to know. It could be anything about estate planning. It could be about wills. It could be about trust. 
could be about Medicaid, it could be about veterans benefits, it could be about special needs trust to people who are disabled, it could be about credit protection. We never know what questions that people are going to ask, and we ask what you want to know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this free estate planning essentials workshop, we answer those questions in the two hours. There will be a presentation, too, uh, because, quite frankly, we ask people what they wanted to know about. Uh, at the. We do a survey at the end, and people say they wanted to have a, a some sort of a presentation. We found that out during the pandemic when mm-hmm. we were doing things by Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, and because for a while we were just answering questions and what people wanted to know. Mm-hmm. In any event, we ask people what we, they want to know. There will be a small presentation as well about general estate planning and about Medicaid. And we answer those questions in the two hours. We try to find out not only what your questions are, but those of others. And you'll learn something from those of not only your whatever's on your mind to make sure that the time is well spent, but you'll also learn something by listening to the questions of others to see if it may affect you. Mm. Uh, if you go to the free uh, State Planning Essentials Workshop, we also give a free one-hour vision meeting. So that's basically three free hours of legal obligation without, I mean, with legal education without obligation. Uh, so to attend the next free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, which is on November the 19th, uh, which is a Saturday, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or really, it's better to sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. And I think you're going to find something that's uh, educational and you're going to enjoy it. Excellent. And there's donuts. Danishes, KWM coffee mugs, coffee, tea, water, those kinds of refreshments um, for the workshop. So um, you can come empty stomached, um, open minded, of course, and uh, you'll really enjoy the two hours on Saturday, November the 19th at 10 o'clock. And exactly where is the workshop, Michael? Oh, we have a conference uh, center in our office building, which is over by Medical City Hospital, mm-hmm. which is uh, close to Forest and Central, um, Forest Lane and Central, or which is south of LBJ, 635. Central is uh, 75 for those people who are don't call it Central. I guess as a long-time Dallas site, I go by the, uh, the names as opposed mm-hmm. to the numbers. Uh, so, yeah, and it, so it's pretty easy to get to. Uh, and you'll see the exact address on our when you sign up. And if not, we'll tell you. And even if you had questions on directions, we'll tell you how to get here. And I'll tell you if you call by dialing 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com if you would rather just sign up online. Michael, about six minutes left. Other pros and cons for affidavits of airship? Well, you know, if it's your homestead and you uh, uh, don't have a will, uh, if you're like the surviving spouse or perhaps even a minor, to get a court, you could have a court order without going through probate to, if the assets are less than 75000 other than the homestead. You could get what's called a small estates affidavit in order, and so then you'd have an order, and so then a title company would have less of a problem, and so there would be good title, not just a presumption uh, that the errors are correct and subject to a lawsuit in the future if there had been an omitted error. So if there is a surviving spouse and there is no will, 
can't do this, by the way, if there's a will. On the affidavit of heirship, I should add that you could say that there was a will or there wasn't a will. A lot of times, the you know, you say, I'll to spouse and then the kids. Well, that may be consistent with the laws of intestacy. And so you say, well, okay, I'm not going to probate the will. I'll just do an affidavit of heirship unless the kids are from a different marriage. But here, if it's a if it's a surviving spouse and it would be the natural heir, uh, you may, uh, if there was no will, uh, so that you don't have to worry about the presumption, you may do what's called a small estate's affidavit in order. However, on that, there has to be no will, whereas on an affidavit of heirship, you can either not have a will or have a will, and if you do have a will, you would attach the will to the affidavit of heirship. So this would be better for title companies. You still have to have a lot of the same type of things like a couple disinterested people, but there's actually something that you file with the court, and the court would sign a small state's affidavit in order, but you never go to court. So that would be better in situations where there's no will and there's a surviving spouse or a minor that's a beneficiary. You might be interested to know that, you know, like I said before, not only is there, uh, you can also have affidavits of airship on a car, uh, which typically just through the Department of Motor Vehicles, but even uh, if you had a uh, mobile home and there's an owner, there's also a statement of inheritance which you can pass without uh, going through court uh, by having filing out one of these types of affidavits. Again, an affidavit, something you swear to. Uh, so it's not, of course you don't see those too often, but uh, those are that's another way of transferring title to uh, an asset. Uh, you know, we've talked in prior shows, if you had a home, or uh, sometimes we do these deeds like a transfer on debt deed or a ladybird deed or other ways to transfer real estate without having to deal with a court order. So there's lots of different ways to, to transfer real estate that may be better. Uh, you don't really want to rely on an affidavit of heirship because, of the, you know, it's just a presumption that the heirs are tricked are correct. Uh, so you don't want to rely on presumptions because somebody may have a problem at a later date. Right. Uh, so it's only good after five years that the title company, and even then, if there had been an omitted error, somebody could sue. Not good. Um, sounds potentially dangerous um, and that the devil is in the details or perhaps the questions that people will ask. And if anything's missing, if any T is not crossed, they're probably going to find it. Like you said, some people, um, I think you said the title company sometimes doesn't even want to honor it or uh, be a part of it because of those potential problems or um, the deceit um, from the individuals who have to basically attest to the fact that this is the truth. And it sounds complicated, and I'm not sure it's right for everybody, but that's for everyone else to decide. And the best way to decide that is to attend Michael's next workshop, which, again, is Saturday, Saturday, November the 19th at 10 o'clock. So it's early in the morning, early relatively. It's in the morning, let's put it that way, but there's no traffic, so you don't have to fight any of that. You come in and eat and drink and uh, water, coffee, whatever you like. Michael will have that there, and he's been doing – how long have you been doing these workshops, Michael? At least well, almost 10 years, right? Almost 10 years. So you yeah. figure if we did uh... – 52 shows a, a year, <laughs> that is 520 shows uh, yeah. that we have done. It seems like, oh, it seems hard to believe that 
time flies when you're having fun. All right. So you've been doing the shows for 10 years and you've been in the workshops for 10 years, but each workshop's at least once a month. So that's 12 a year. So well over 100 workshops plus. So these are very um, useful, um, educational, and um, you won't waste your time or, or regret going because not only will you learn about your situation, but others as well, and then you can internalize and apply those however you, need see, however you see fit. But regardless, I know Michael enjoys them too, and he doesn't read anything, he doesn't look things up, but he doesn't do that for this program either. It's all in his very brilliant mind because he eats, breathes, and sleeps this. So who better to be your estate planning attorney than Michael Cohen? But that's for you to decide by attending his next workshop and to sign up for that one on Saturday, November the 19th. Just simply dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. My attorney, my lawyer, Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Tom. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.